0: America is the greatest country the world has ever known. We are a nation of immigrants, pioneers, and patriots. Together, we create the bold, beautiful fabric that is America. We are the city upon the hill, a beacon to the world. America is the land of freedom and unlimited opportunity. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every Friday as I spotlight those who embody the American values of faith, courage, and heroism. We the people have stories to share, stories to uplift and inspire. You will feel proud, humbled, and blessed to call yourself an American. Jeff Gums' road to becoming a Navy SEAL began at the tender age of 8 years old when his father was tragically killed in a car accident. Jeff automatically assumed the role of protector for his brother, sister, and mother. This decision was reaffirmed as a senior on September 11, 2001. Jeff went through many obstacles on his journey to become a Navy SEAL, but his tenacity and perseverance ensured this goal. Jeff was in the Navy SEALs for 10 years until a back injury convinced him it was time to leave. Jeff is the founder of Sunga Life, a popular swimwear company, and he devotes much of his time to serving veterans' causes. This is Jeff's American Story. Welcome to this episode of We the People, Our American Story. My guest today is Navy Seal Jeff Gum. Jeff, welcome.
1: Hey, thank you for having me on here.
0: I am thrilled to have you on here and I cannot wait to hear your story. Should we start at the beginning?
1: Yeah, yeah, the beginning sounds great.
0: Okay, tell us a little bit about growing up.
1: Yeah, so I I grew up in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania in a town called Penargil, a very small town. I was actually born on a dairy farm there. We had 100 acres and had a little pony named Rocky. I had a bunch of golden retrievers. My mom bred them and we had 100 cows. Uh, It was like a big adventure out there every day. My dad created a big gym in my aunt's barn right down the road and Go down there and do all kinds of jumping on the trampoline play basketball it was really you know beautiful childhood uh it was like tragedy when when i was eight and my dad was killed in a car accident and i think that's what kind of maybe feel a little more like a protector because i was the oldest of my brother and sister and uh kind of felt like i had to be the man of the house and always wanted to like protect everyone and so i think That kind of led me to being a Navy SEAL then down the road. I was an athlete. I played almost every sport I could. I still have records in weightlifting at the high school. I was 16, I tore my ECL. I got stuck in a brace. I went from like doing every sport to like not being able to do anything. And I realized I needed like the biggest challenge in my life to be fulfilled. What can that be? And I found out like how hard SEAL training was And what Hell Week was, I was like, I want to go do that. That would be like so fun. And I'll learn all these skills, fighting, shooting, explosives, where I can always protect my friends and family and people I care about. So that was like kind of on my radar pretty hard. And then two years later, I was just starting senior year of high school. And I grew up 90 minutes from New York City, even though it was like the country and Appalachian Mountains where I lived. We're just 90 minutes from New York and we do a lot of field trips there and 9-11 happened and it just reaffirmed like a hundredfold why I wanted to be a Navy SEAL to go hunt like the most evil people in the world and make sure it never happens again. From there on out, I was just like really want to be special operations, start talking to different military recruiters, looking at Naval Academy, looking at college, looking at going enlisted and found out about ROTC programs, I was like, oh, I could go to a normal college, have a great kind of normal experience, and then go in, you know, into the military. I, I thought that seemed like it would be a better option than, than going to like a really strict college, Annapolis or, or whatever, and then going into the military. All right, the school I wanted to go to was University of Central Florida. I was like, oh, going down, being able to in Florida would be would be really cool my cousins were living in Orlando they recommended UCF they only had Army ROTC so I I started uh, UCF did the Army ROTC program I went to airborne school and then at airborne school all my best friends had uh, after my freshman year they had all just graduated SEAL training and they all had kind of long hair and sideburns and were living in San Diego and I was like you know what, being a SEAL is like the way to do it. And, and so after I graduated college, I uh, enlisted in the SEAL teams and well, went to Great Lakes Boot Camp in outside of Chicago and then went to ca- California. And then I, I lived in California for 13, 14 years or something. And I was a SEAL in San Diego for 10 years. It was pretty awesome.
0: Well, that is all of it in a nutshell. Shall we explore yeah. that a little bit? Yeah did you have any family in the military
1: yeah so my uh grandpa my mom's father he was a sniper in the marines in the korean war and he had two purple hearts it was pretty brutal there almost everyone and his uh platoon was like killed he had a lieutenant who it's kind of crazy his grandson ended up being an officer at my at seal team five so his direct like second lieutenant, platoon leader, grandson was literally an officer at, at Seal Team Five. Kind of crazy the coincidence with that. I was just, I was in SEAL qualifying training at the time. My grandma calls me. She's like, "Oh, did you know?" I don't want to say his name, but I was like, "Oh yeah, I do." Oh, I was just talking to his sister, and I saw her talking to to a guy. I'm like, "Oh, is this your brother?" Because they had ran all the Marine reunions. They would always go back and have a reunion in a different city every year. And she's like, no, my brother's out at SEAL training in Coronado. And he graduated just like a class ahead of me, went to team five. And then uh, next time I saw him out, I'm like, oh, what's, hey, do you know your your grandpa is uh, Charlie Cooper, right? What? And it's like he's ended up being a two-star general, fought in Vietnam as well. Yeah, he was my grandpa's uh, second lieutenant in, in the Korean War. And so my grandparents came to my SEAL graduation. He came to it as well. He got to meet them. And so it's pretty cool experience there. Uh,
0: there are no coincidences, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tell me about Bud.
1: Big reason I want to be a SEAL in the beginning was for the challenge and, and everything there. And I definitely got everything I was asking for in terms of a challenge. Everything was going great until it wasn't. I was in two seven zero, never failed a single thing. What does two seven zero mean? Oh, my buds, my buds class. Oh, okay. so at the time, I was the two hundred seventieth buds class to gotcha. be going through training and okay. buds basic underwater demolition seal training. So I was in that class, and I had trained a lot before I went. I had gotten dive certified. I trained with collegiate swimmers, and I was a really good runner. I, Track was one of the sports I had done and I was pretty strong, but I just wanted to eliminate a weakness. So I like made sure I got trained the water a lot as well. And I was 23, had a college degree. I was pretty mature. So I never failed a single event in BUDS. And then Friday before Hell Week, I got really sick. I got viral gastroenteritis and I was Ugh. just growing up nonstop for like an entire day, I'd be so thirsty. I'd drink water and just throw up. So, they put a IVs in me, and I, my veins just kept rolling for what. And then, then they were able to get one in. I'm like, whatever. I'm still starting Hell Week. Um, oh my gosh, I'm how a, did you
0: even do that? You can't call and sip. How did you even uh, do no, that? I'm a baby have,
1: when I'm not. could have rolled me, and I would have just started all the way over oh again. God. And it would have been like six weeks of doing all that for nothing. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'll be fine. And so I start Hell Week, and I was like probably 12 pounds underweight, really dehydrated. And then I started Hell Week, and uh, first day it was going pretty well, but then then I just started kind of like cramping, not like nonstop, and I'm like, what is going on? And my legs were cramping, my quads were cramping, my hamstrings, and we're running with the boats. and I'm just trying to do everything I can to stay under the boat. It felt like you see like football players on a field, they get like a cramp in their leg and they get carried off the field. And that's what my legs were doing, except I had to run with this 200 pound boat on my head. And I just bit down as hard as I could and tried to stay under the boat. And it's like everywhere you go, you I mean, you run like probably 50 miles with this thing on your head during the week. And we did this like, what was it? Probably a mile and a half back with this boat. And my legs cramped the whole way so bad, and I stayed under. And we get back, and then we start a four mile timed run. And we do that, and my legs are barely working. I'm just like shuffling them the best I can. And we get back. There's a bunch of people behind me, but they pretty much like all quit. Then they're like, all right, we're doing another one, do another one. Everyone else like back there is like, quit. We had some different things the steel pier event we like tread water and in, in the cold and i think we had like 22 guys quit during that thing or something uh we do this buoy swim and have us like go out and another 20 some guys quit there we're going and and uh, gets to like tuesday and my legs are just like not working on me at all i don't know what's going on everything is cramping Fallen out from under the boat now. I can't even stay under the boat. I'm running like as fast as I can trying to keep up with it and it's not working. I, I mean, I knew there was nothing they could ever do to make me quit. I looked at it as like being surrounded by a hundred Taliban. Am I going to quit or am I going to fight like the best I can in the mountains? I thought of the lone survivor with Marcus Luttrell. I thought of my grandpa fighting in Korea. I thought of everything. I knew I'd never able to look my family or anything knowing that I I knew it myself I knew I'd never be able to look myself in the face again if I like quit there and just did everything I could and then they kept giving me like warnings for performance finally like an hour before Wednesday they uh performance dropped me I'll do anything to stay here you can surf torture me in the ocean you can do whatever like I know my I'm like falling out and everything but they're like no we can't do that there's usually a quitter room everyone has to stay in. And, but I like just went to medical and something's wrong. I was trying to like find out what was wrong with me and did a little blood ox on me and like some things, but that was still okay. So I didn't go back to that room. I refused to put on, it's like the utility uniform where it's a normal Navy or what we wore in boot camp mm-hmm. instead of our camos. And I'm like, I will never put these things on or like the quitter uniform. So I just wore my dress blues everywhere that I had to be in uniform. And we're supposed to go check in with this senior chief to get our stuff to go to. It's called X-Division, where you go when you when people quit or get hurt. And so I let the other people in there. I was the last one in that class to not make it through Hell Week. Everyone that made it after me that was still in graduated and finished Hell Week, at least. I'm like, can I talk to you after? And he's like, oh, yes and gives everyone else their chit to go to X Division. I'm like, so I got really sick before Hell Week. I had VGE. I couldn't even eat food for two days before I started. I'm 23. I have a college degree. I never failed anything all the first phase leading up to this point. Other people don't even pass a single run, don't pass a single swim, and they get to get rolled and start all the way over. I'll do anything to just start all the way over and get another shot. I was just sick. I'm supposed to be here and you don't even have to pay me. You can take away all my pay, all my bonuses, everything else. All I want is to go back into the next class. And he was like, you're the first person to ever walk in here and want to do this again after getting dropped. He goes, I'm going to talk to the other instructors. And I also like talked to this master chief who had been like a mentor for us. And he invited me to go into some pool training with everyone who had made it through that class. He goes, we just need people to make it through hell week. It's hard enough to find people that won't quit. You won't quit. We just got to get you healthy. I had another mentor, Mike Gecka, amazing guy who like trained me before I left for buds. And he called and vouched for me. It got, I was like the first person ever allowed back in after being performance dropped. I go into the next class and some of the instructors are just like gunning for me. And I went from never failing anything and now we start all these runs and everything over again but now from having VGE and like putting out so hard and running through all these cramps and just like doing everything I could to stay under the boat for as long as I could it led to me getting this thing rhabdomyolysis and so now my muscles are like have broken down so much my blood has become toxic and just muscle waste is taking over my whole body I can hardly do anything. And now I I went from being like s- so strong to being the weakest person in the entire class. So now we just do a four mile timed run, something I used to fly through. And I come in last place by six minutes on the run. Everything is just like so painful. You go to chow and you run six, seven miles a day just to go eat. And I uh, just in agonizing pain, I thought I had stress fractures at my like, Calves and everything are hurting so bad, but it was having rhabdo. So we do more boats. I fall out from under the boats again, and now every instructor is like after me even more. And I'm like, what is going on? I know this isn't me. I'm like, God hates me. What is going on? I don't even know. I still looked at it. I was like, all right, I'm surrounded by the Taliban or whatever. I'm not going to give up. Looked at the seal creed. And it says like, I am never out of the fight here, even though everything is going wrong. I am not out of the fight. I still have like air in my lungs. My heart is still beating. I will never quit or I'll never be able to go back and say that creed. I can't quit and go get healthy and come back. I need to like do this now. I do this run. I come in last place. It was after the weekend too. I'm like, all right, I got to rest up and get healthy. I'm going to feel better. I'm going to crush this run. I come in last place by six minutes. I got First phase on one side of me in a truck. I got the second phase instructors on the left side of me on a truck. First phase is telling second phase, don't worry, you're never going to meet this guy. He's going to be out on that Navy ship out there in the ocean. And I'm just like, oh my God, my life sucks. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: that's <laughs> hilarious. It's a good thing you can laugh about it now, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, once I made it, that I mean, ended up being the greatest gift ever having everything go wrong and still, still make it. I go to the doctor after I come, I'm like, all right, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I had VGE, but that's been like gone for a while. And I went into the next class. I never failed anything. Now I can't pass anything and I'm not looking for a way out. All I want is my body to be healthy. Like this is all I want to do. I don't know what is happening. Sounds like you got this thing, rhabdomyolysis. It's really rare. Pretty much only happens to... Some people, if they do like a crazy CrossFit workout, their body isn't like ready for, or people that get crushed in a car accident or earthquake and they go and they draw my blood. And I'm like in a meeting with the instructors after, and the doctor comes and Jeff, you can't do anything like, yeah, you got rhabdomyolysis. Your blood is like toxic. And you know, everything had been going wrong to that point. And I, thought it was going to come back. You says you're fine, whatever. I'm like, I wasn't expecting anything to go my way at this point at all. It's like, Oh yeah. I'm like, wow. I'm like, I have it. All right, good. I'm starting to question myself. What do Um, they
0: do with toxic blood then? Do you have to have transfusions or what? It's like
1: all like rest and hydration, your liver and your kidneys will filter it all out. You just need rest. So I went from crushing myself in hell week, to right back into SEAL training, never getting a break. So it was never able to like filter and get better. It would just like keep breaking down more and more and more. I get convalescent leave, like medical leave. I go back home, I get rest just on the couch, eating good food with my mom for like two weeks. And I come back, everything was still like kind of hurting a bit, but it was definitely feeling better. And they made me kind of light duty a bit. So maybe like another week or two. And I like eased into some workouts and started like feeling better. And all of a sudden my fitness was still there and like the blood and everything the rhabdo all got filtered out. All of a sudden I was in incredible shape. And now I had been used to doing everything with my body, like aching and hurting so bad. And all of a sudden everything feels amazing. And now I had already done everything in first phase. I passed every drown proofing underwater not tying, 50-meter uh, underwater swim, uh, life-saving, and had been surf-tortured in the winter. Now it was going to be the summer. It was like, you know, you warm up to swing a baseball bat and they put the weights on it to make it really heavy. I, all the weights came off, and now I could just, like, swing the bat and hit home runs all day. You were and Superman. I, yeah, I felt like Superman. And so I come back the, the first run, And I take 12 minutes off my four mile time to run, come in the top 10. I just come across the finish line, like look at all the instructors. And I'm like, look who's back. (laughs) And uh, I just felt amazing. I felt like I could fly and could just zone out, not just think of whatever and like almost be enjoying it and all the water stuff I had already done. And now it's summer, even the surf tortures, I'm like you're not even going to shiver, not a single shiver. Instructors would come around, look at me. Other people are like passing out unconscious, not one shiver. And I just like, look at the instructors as they'd be looking at me. I'm like, not even going to, not one shiver. It was awesome. I was in hell week then. And I got to the point, the thing that like destroyed me the most. And I did that. And it was like almost kind of easy we're going into breakfast it was running, running around with these boats on your heads probably like 12 or 14 miles doing sprints everywhere. And it destroyed me before I could hardly walk after it. And this thing, I just felt perfect, felt normal, felt like I was just starting Hell Week, except I like, I didn't have any skin on everything. had chafed off on my arms and legs, but I still felt great. I had like had like little tears come down my eyes for a second. I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL like my dreams. Are going to happen yeah and after that I made it through hell week uh, called my mom and sister and they were together and they all start like yelling with joy and everything because been like class to class to class back to back to back I'd been a white shirt for 10 months and then everything else was pretty smooth going through that was with class 272 I graduated with 272 and Had an amazing time and then got orders to SEAL Team 5 and got to stay in San Diego.
0: It was 10 months then from the first day until you actually were able to become a Navy SEAL?
1: No, 10 months till I made it through Hell Week. And I was just a brown. So I finally get my brown shirt where you start to get a little bit of respect and everything. Okay, gotcha. And then it's still five more months of a BUDS. And then another like seven months of SEAL qualifying training after that. So it was about two years total to get the Trident.
0: What I find remarkable about what you've told me so far is a few things. Number one, were you throwing up as you were <laughs> running all over? How did you not throw up and how did you not pass out?
1: There I wasn't throwing up because I, but it was like the that Friday and Saturday I was throwing up like nonstop before hell week after that, I think I was kind of over the VGE, but I still had the residual effects of being so dehydrated from not eating and throwing up so much. And then from the dehydration from like a little bit of hypothermia and all like the extreme running, running with the boats on your heads and lunging with the telephone poles for miles. And it just uh, all those together with the dehydration led to me getting the rhabdo. And then once I had to rhabdo, it wasn't going away until I got rest. And I just went from like hell week to the next, got back in talked my way back into the next class. Trust me, I deserve another shot. I'm strong. I never failed anything. Never passed anything until I got into the next class again. I but still um, don't know
0: how you didn't pass out. These are the things that set apart a Navy SEAL. I think when you're talking about how much pressure you put on yourself, where you'll never be able to look at yourself again. If you don't get through this, you'll never be able to look in your family's eyes because you know they don't feel that way. But that's a lot of pressure you put on yourself. Had you always been like that? Is that a personality of a Navy SEAL? You grew up that way. It was always in you.
1: For something that important, it was for sure. I was going to do whatever it took to make it.
0: That's amazing. Okay, so you're on Navy SEAL Team 5. Yeah. The general public does not know how many SEAL teams there are. I guess Jason said you can actually look it
1: up. It's on the internet pretty much.
0: Is each team assigned a different task or what do those mean?
1: No, it's um, more a schedule for when you're going to be deploying. And Um, do you
0: stay with the same team? Does it change?
1: It can change. Okay. I was a team five for four years, then I was an instructor. If I would have stayed in, I would have went to either a team five or another team. It can be either way. It can be more dependent on where they are in the cycle. So the first part, it's like a two-year block basically. And every six months is a different thing. And you cycle through all of them. So when I finished SEAL training. I went to the first part of that. So I had a year and a half with my team doing these different blocks of training or individual schools. And then some final exercises with everyone together and even some other units that you might be deploying with. And then you go on your deployment for the last like six to seven months of that.
0: You're a Navy SEAL. Do you feel invincible? Not now, maybe because you're more mature, but when you get through with all that, do you feel invincible before you experience deployments before do you feel like there's nothing that can get in your way?
1: I wouldn't say invincible. I always felt pretty strong, but I mean, I'm not stronger than a bomb. You know, I know if something happens there, I had a friend who, um, i had seen him Well, he wasn't a friend. I had just seen him on, he was like a hero of mine. He was born without arms and legs. He was a champion wrestler and jiu-jitsu fighter and had climbed a lot of the highest mountains in the world. And I was like, oh, if I ever get blown up, I'll just be really strong in jiu-jitsu and wrestling like Kyle is because he doesn't have the arm and leg weight. And then randomly, I ended up seeing him go right by me at a beach bar. Oh, Kyle Maynard, what's up, man? And then we ended up becoming great friends. He moved in with me and we traveled to like over probably 20 countries together. Didn't feel invincible, but definitely felt pretty tough.
0: You have a long, let's see, everything is so long in the military. I think as far as titles and different things that you do, it's either acronyms or very long worded statements, a seal breacher and sniper school and training combative and prisoner handling. What do those two things involve?
1: Well, you go and do individual schools. That's kind of like the first part of that cycle. And so when I checked in, a lot of times new guys don't get many schools. I uh, became like a machine gunner. It's kind. I think it's like a great thing to do at first, because then as you get more skill sets, you're not going to be carrying the heaviest gun, but it's almost like a qual in itself. And so that was my first job almost being like carrying the heaviest gun. It was like 30 pounds carry like 500 rounds of ammo with it that's an extra 35 pounds plus you got body armor and and everything else and that thing's a beast and so did that and did some other good stuff on deployments I really want to do like sniper and breacher school I got to do them then and it was awesome my top picks there I learned so much did my next deployment and then I was, I was an instructor and I had been a fighter. I had trained in college, trained with a bunch of guys in UFC, was close with the Gracie family who made Brazilian Jiu Jitsu I got kind of recruited by the combative staff because they knew I had this background and it makes more sense to like have someone be a instructor. That's already a fighter. That's teaching all the hand to hand combat, and prisoner handling, knows how to use all these martial arts. So I uh, went in, did that, became the LPO of combatives there. I became an instructor and that was actually really amazing as well, because then I got to uh, teach. I got to mentor these students who were going through SEAL qualifying training and were about to go to the team. And I would lead a class. Any questions you have, because a lot of times they're learning all these skills, but they don't learn how to. Like necessarily be like a man in the SEAL teams, mm. and even just basic things like credit cards and some finances and, all right, what are you going to do with your 40 grand bonus? Is it best just go buy a car? No, it's like, here, you should invest it in these things.
0: That's interesting because oh, that's something you wouldn't NFT. even think that you guys would be talking about.
1: I'd gone to college. I was a business major. I had been investing in stocks and uh, mutual funds since I was 18 and I would use credit cards and just because a lot of guys would go out and pay debit cards with everything. I would use mm-hmm. my credit card, then have it linked to my bank account, have it pay my credit card in full every month. And then I would get all these points and be able to fly home and see my family for free. So I just kind of teach a lot of basic things like that, that people don't really learn unless they get a little more life experience. Some are 18, 19, some are 23, 24, some are even 27, 28, sometimes even you can get waivers. And there was guys, I probably had students in their 30s at times. Yeah, it was something I, I felt good about. And guys would learn a lot and they were really appreciative. And it was uh yeah, really fun being an instructor, teaching guys how to put hands on people down downrange. Hey, these are like, how are you gonna use this? And it was more towards the end of SEAL training as well. So I didn't have to be mean, I didn't have to do whatever. I'm like, hey, our training is tough enough you guys deserve to be here. You you clearly proved that. I looked at myself almost more like a coach at that point. I wanted them to be comfortable asking questions. Uh, The training was tough enough and they were beating the heck out of each other. How many
0: deployments did you have?
1: I did two. So my first one was to Iraq. And then my second one, I bounced around a bunch of different countries in the Middle East. And then I was part of the crisis response element there. So if anything crazy like Benghazi or pirates or something else popped off, would have gone in. But that deployment ended up being a lot more training because nothing really happened. So then uh, I, I ended up hurting my back as well on that deployment. So after I hurt it a few days later, I had to fly to Germany and have a spine surgery. That set me back a bit. It healed up. And then... Yeah, I was instructing at six months later and it was mostly good for a while, but then I started re-injuring it more and more and got out of the military because of that.
0: How long were you in the military?
1: For 10 years.
0: For 10 years. And was it hard for you to leave?
1: Well, I kind of changed my like goals a bit once my back started getting hurt all the time. And I realized I was not going to have a high quality life in the military anymore. (laughs) If I'm like, you know, SEAL teams love very high impact, whether you're doing like the combatives, like fight training, I was doing I was training with guys in UFC. And then I had to like really pull myself back from that. Whether you're skydiving, whether you're pounding in these boats, doing like hundred mile rides, bounce around in the desert and ETVs or Humvees or MRAPs. And at the same time, I was instructing, and I had a bunch of friends in LA that I got close with who had all done their MBA at Wharton that were making like big companies. One founded Mayweather Boxing and Fitness, another one made this car auction company, other ones made uh, all different apps and things. And I kind of got excited. I'd been drawn to entrepreneurship. My cousins were really successful entrepreneurs uh, out of Orlando. So I had been around them and I really liked it, but I was like, oh, I'll go do that you know after I finished my time in the military so getting hurt, already having the entrepreneurship stuff in my mind and then seeing my friends do all this stuff who had done their MBA I'm like oh I could go do my MBA and it kind of created a new goal for me as well and I was excited to do my MBA found my own company and that would be like my dream the way I dreamed of being a SEAL it was like all right I just gotta figure out what I want to do again when I grow up I already had to to the highest level, made my dreams come true, but now I'm gonna do it again. And it was actually, I did the Honor Foundation, which helped Seals transition to the private sector. And through doing that, I realized that doing that Hell Week and having everything go wrong ended up being the greatest gift because it's helped me so much as an entrepreneur with everything going wrong that I know anytime something goes wrong in my business, well, this is nothing compared to when I was in L week and I had everything go wrong there. It's not so like time sensitive. I just got to pivot, problem solve and figure, figure it out. And a lot of the same skills from the SEAL teams transfer over to, you know, leadership and problem solving teamwork, all that innovative thinking. And I just had to learn these analytical like business skills more. And so I did my MBA. UCLA had, it was an incredible program, had so many resources that helped me start to scale my uh, company, Sunga Life, and it ended up being my master's thesis at UCLA. And I built my team with other MBA students, and now it's been in like a really great place the last year and a half.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question. I don't even have to ask it because you mm-hmm. answered it for me as far as what the military taught you. Mm-hmm. You started then your company, it's pronounced Sunga.
1: Yeah, sunga Oh, life. good.
0: I was going to pronounce it sunga. I'm glad that yeah. you said it <laughs> first. Yeah. What is this? I have to be honest, Jeff, somehow, like when you start following some veterans, like I started following some because they'd been on my podcast and then it leads you to more things. And then I don't know if this is bad to admit, but I'll tell you, I came across sunga. It's sunga life, right?
1: Yes. yes. Sunga life. Mm-hmm.
0: That's where I got you. That's where I got Ray. Yes. And that's where I came across Rudy. And I just figured, awesome. what the hell? I was snapshotting all these veterans that you had. <laughs> Tiny modeling. little
1: shorts or speedos. <laughs>
0: I started snapshotting all of these models that you had because they're all veterans so that I could follow up and get with them later. And it's worked out great.
1: <laughs> that's incredible it's, I like hope a little that recruiting, it's like a little recruiting tool for yes. you yes
0: i hope you're not too upset that i kind of stalked your website and found them because look it i found you through it so it turned out really good yeah. but tell us about this company
1: yeah so um as i trained jujitsu and muay thai and done a bunch of fights in college and was really drawn to that then after I got to SEAL Team 5, I started training again. Daco had a school with Dean Lister. It was called Victory MMA. was training there. Once I finished at SEAL Team 5, got recruited to be a combatives instructor. They contracted the arena MMA. Had a lot of amazing coaches there. I was training with them, and I was really close with the Gracie family as well. I went to Brazil with them. For New Year's several times. I saw everyone wearing this Brazilian swimwear called sungas. It's kind of a hybrid between shorts and a Speedo. So they are a little more boxy than a Speedo and a little more fabric, like right in the front. And I, I thought they were awesome. I felt like a loser out on the beach in a big, saggy pair of board shorts especially I'd get out of the water and I couldn't put my phone in my pocket. And all these <laughs> Brazilians had this incredible life hack. They had way better tan lines. They could swim better in the water and all the girls really appreciated it as well. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a bunch of these things, start wearing them all over the world. And everyone was like, wow, these are awesome. Where can I get them? Where can I get them? And after doing the honor foundation, well, actually before I'm like, Oh, I want to make this company. Maybe I'll wait till I do my MBA. But uh, then I realized, I'm like, I need to launch this right now. And I created the company while still an active seal, started, a, you know, it was just mainly soon at first made some sunglasses, I called them the Patriot shades and made some headbands and some fun stuff and just slowly started growing it more and more, used the cash flow to grow, started making other products. Maybe two years in, I started making shorts.
0: You moved fast. Really? That's fast.
1: Started making these silky shorts, which are like Marine PT shorts, except they're all, they're like green for them and like a lower quality fabric. And mine were like really high quality uh, Lycra. And I started having all these patriotic and created my own camo. A lot of women were like, oh, I love this. I wish it was in a bikini. I'm like, all right, I can make bikinis. Started making bikinis and have some really cute stuff where couples are in bikinis, guy in the shorts or sunga women in the bikini, and just started making more and more products and finished that year in the Navy. I traveled the world with my friend who didn't have arms or legs. We created some really cool content while we traveled the world, climbed the highest mountain in Australia, dove the Great Barrier Reef, sailed the Adriatic Sea.
0: Did you really travel around the world in 80 days then?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Went all the way around. That's a, exhausting. I <laughs> yeah, had meetings with the um, prime minister of, of uh, Japan's wife, met so many like cool people, carried my friend Kyle all the way up to uh, where Jesus was oh, yeah. crucified, carried him all the way up to the top of that thing. So many cool experiences. And yeah, I went to Normandy on ah, the, on the Normandy. day anniversary. Just so many epic adventures. And the whole time I'm wearing Sunga Life creating cool content for Instagram. Then started at UCLA.
0: I have to read something on your site because it just makes me laugh. I love your little about us. Okay. Okay. You can expect a Sunga to be the most comfortable swimwear you ever put on, and doing so allows your thighs to get the healthy tan that they've always wanted it's a hybrid between shorts and speedos and are the brainchild of a former navy seal who fell in love with sungas after his travels throughout brazil and i love this next part too he couldn't (laughs) believe all the incredible benefits (laughs) of wearing sungas and what an incredible secret he had stumbled upon white thighs were a thing of the past. While swimming and diving with dolphins and whale sharks, he felt like Michael Phelps. In the water now, the board shorts weren't dragging him down. Another benefit he soon realized was that they dry super fast, and he no longer had to walk around in a soggy pair of wet shorts after swimming. However, and you already mentioned this, the biggest <laughs> advantage he found was that girls love a confident man in a sunga the same way. God guys find a Brazilian bikini sexy on a woman. It literally becomes an unfair advantage at any pool or beach party. And they are very open about telling you about it. Who wouldn't (laughs) want to buy a pair after that? Right? Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It'd be funny. I would wear a pair and my friends are like, man, yeah, it's cool. You wear it, but I could never wear one of them. And then we'd go to like the beach or the pool and everyone would like be coming up, talking to me and just having a great time. And it would be like, bring the party to the next level. And then my friends would come back and order a sunga right then or be like, man, you gotta give me one of your extras. Or I created my own camo. I have all these patriotic ones. I got the second amendment print where I literally have the second amendment like printed out, we the people and the constitution. Yeah, we also say, if you're gonna peacock, do it like a patriot. And <laughs> I have uh, my own peacock line as well. Peacock bikinis, peacock board shorts, sungas, silkies, everything.
0: I saw on your website, is this true? Do you actually have a line that you have to be a Navy SEAL to get?
1: Yeah, so it kind of started. Uh, I think you saw the recent Hudson SEAL swim that we did. Yes. And the first one we did three years ago I I got asked to do it and I saw like a bunch of my friends doing a bunch of like team guys, you know, I should sponsor this and have all my friends wear my stuff. This is going to be epic. And I did, yeah, we should put something on there. Maybe we'll put the bone frogs, partly a memorial for our fallen brothers to honor them. And I was like, yeah, that's great. We did that. We were like featured on Fox and friends. Pete Hegseth swam with us. He was amazing. All the team guys were asking me, oh, can I get some of them? You know, I'm going to make a whole line of bone frog stuff and just sell it, to, but I only seals are supposed to wear them. So I kind of found an app that allows you to password protect products on your site. So team guys have to like either write me or my customer service. I'll verify them and then I'll give them uh, the password and a 30% discount for fellow seals. That yeah, is hilarious. Um, yeah, <laughs> totally.
0: what is your website for sunga
1: yeah so it is sungalife.com, s u n g a l i f e s-u-n-g-a-l-i-f-e.com and then the instagram is at sunga.life as well sung al
0: is there anything that you think we need to know to support military families
1: yeah so a big reason i try to make my company really successful is so the more successful I am, the more I can help out with other veteran charities and and make a difference in this world. It's like really important that, you know, our lives have been about service for a long time. So it's really important to be able to find ways to continue to serve and have important meeting. One of my favorite quotes is you never want your memories to be bigger than your dreams. A lot of veterans can struggle with getting out because they feel that their best years are behind them. They don't have the brotherhood anymore. They don't have things they're doing with veterans and then they don't have like the important mission and service. So that's why I think I've had a good transition and uh, I'm able to be a part of all these foundations. I'm on the Force Blue Team. We dive and save the coral reef with other special operators, all this work with the Hudson Seal Swim, raising money for the GI Go Fund and to honor 9-11 victims and honor our fallen brothers on the board of Adaptive Training Foundation, where we train amputee and spinal cord injury athletes. And we do a trip with the High Fives Foundation, either Military to the Mountain skiing or surf trips, uh, Wake for Warriors, where we wake surf behind these wake surf boats with amputees and other veterans, just like continually being a part of all these like amazing foundations. So I would say people should get involved and I guarantee. Whether you're a veteran or not, if you find a way to get involved with these veteran foundations and and charities, you're going to have a better, more complete life. And I really recommend to veterans, if you're struggling to find something like that, that you're passionate about, that you can help with, because if you're focused on helping other people, then you're not going to feel sorry for yourself or sorry that you're not doing at the same time, it literally eliminates both problems. It allows you to continue to serve, allows you to have a huge mission. And then you're back with your brothers doing this work that's really important, not being in isolation. It's isolation and feeling sorry for yourself is why there's such like a veteran suicide pandemic going on now with like 22 veterans a day. All I can say is find a way to get involved. I, I think even what you're doing Going out, getting these stories out there for people to be able to listen to, be able to connect with veterans. And I'm sure it gives you like huge meaning and sense of importance with that. And it's very, very inspiring as well.
0: It really is. And uh, there have been a few times that I have had some of the people that I've spoken with will just break down in tears and say, Thank you for letting me share this. It's so cathartic to just tell my story. As always, like now, I'm overwhelmed by you. I really am. What does America mean to you?
1: It is a country that really started democracy. Every other country had basically had a king or dictator. And so it was the first country that was truly about the people, not about the kings and queens and royal family. It's a country that was about freedom right off the bat. We made our constitution, we made these amendments to make sure that tyrants wouldn't come to power and destroy our freedom and destroy our way of life. And we use that as a way to go out when there's injustices in the world, when there's other dictators, when there's people like Osama bin Laden or Saddam Hussein creating these huge travesties throughout the world. If there's dictators, if there's whoever, and people say, oh, w- what gives you the right to go out and be the world policeman? It's like, well, I'll tell you who. We're the country that defeated Hitler. We're the country, you know, along with our allies. But all of people don't realize, it was like 77 years ago, all of continental Europe was under Nazi control. It almost sounds like, almost like Nazis, this like mythical evil thing now. But they literally had all of Europe under control not that long ago. And they steamrolled everyone. And we went in and I've seen the graves of 20,000 Americans on the beaches in Normandy. And it was a huge sacrifice of 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, like entire towns were wiped out of young men. And we sacrificed everything. And when you let people grow and grow and grow and become more powerful, all of a sudden, these evil people can take over an entire continent in a flash of an eye. France was conquered in two days. Poland was steamrolled over and people were ready to fight at times. And then all of a sudden Germany was too powerful and they took everything over what we went and we did on D-Day where we invaded that beach and started the beginning of winning that war back. They were getting ready to do the UK. The UK was next. The UK was about to fall. They were being bombed. Into submission, and they were about to go across the English Channel the same way, and we went and stopped that. And when you let evil people grow and grow and grow and become more powerful, and that's why we went to Vietnam. That's why people they're like, oh, why did we go there? Well, we didn't want Russia to grow and grow and grow and put communism all over the world, and all these other countries are going to fall. And every war we go to isn't necessarily right, but it's a fine balancing act and. We saw what happened where the Taliban and Al-Qaeda were planning 9-11 in the mountains there. And and yeah, we went in there and it's a brutal place. Maybe we shouldn't. I don't know if we should have stayed there for 20 years, but there hasn't been another 9-11 since then. And that's what everyone fought to make sure. That's a major reason why I joined was to make sure there wouldn't be a 9-11. So even though we pulled out and everything's gone to hell now over there and We literally turned over $85 billion of weapons and Blackhawks. And now the Taliban is armed with everything else. But even though all that has happened now, and a lot of people have lost their trust in us because of the leadership that we have, we have a military that's more focused on being woke, more focused on being PC, letting anyone join uh, people that have no business being in the military. We're, still, we're going to find a way and we're going to get through that. I know the people who are on my side. We're going to get through this.
0: Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your time so
1: much. Thank you for having me.
0: You will never speak to a nicer guy than Jeff. And his story about overcoming sickness and injury to obtain his ultimate goal is completely inspiring. Please check out Jeff at SungaLife.com. That's S-U-N-G-A-L-I-F-E.com and on Instagram at sunga.life. If you have a few moments, please leave a rating, a review, share with friends and family because your recommendations help this podcast grow. Join me next week when my guest is Todd Hanson, Emmy-winning award TV host and popular speaker. See you on Friday.